So we have a good friend of mine, a dear friend, uh, who's here this morning, who has graciously agreed to preach for me this morning. And you know, sometimes, you know, people say, hey, listen, you know, you, you need to take a break. And uh, I'm not doing this because I need to take a break. Jay, Mission Possible downtown, uh, a church under the bridge. He's got a heart for the, uh, the lost, the, the least, and the lonely in this city. He's got a great testimony on his own. He's a mighty man of God. I'm not going to give him too much praise because we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. But let me just say this. When JJ became my friend, I was like, man, Lord, I don't deserve him in my life. You know, this guy's too, he's too important for me to know. But anyway, God connects us, even the least of us, right? And so, JJ, please come up here. I want to pray for you. You're going to preach. Uh, and I just pray that God would move all of our hearts this morning as JJ teaches us. And so, Lord, I thank you for my brother, JJ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill him right now, that you would anoint him, that you would give him wisdom, Lord, and the words to speak. I pray, Lord, that your will will be done this morning and that you would prepare all of our hearts for what it is that you have to say to us through JJ. Let this word fall on fertile soil. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys hear me okay? Well, that is true. My name is JJ, and I am here to preach. And so I'm very excited to be here. Uh, Melissa and I have uh, minds on people. You know why we do that? It's an act of a blessing. That's what, we, that's what the Old Testament did is when they wanted to bless somebody, they would put their hands on it. That's why we do that. And so, James, thank you. I bless you, the brother that I was just praying for. I don't know where you are. But I bless you, brother, and pray for your family as well. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, now, Melissa and I, we kind of called this church home. With your permission, we'd love to join. Uh, we may not go through the DNA course because as a church grows, we want to keep parking in the visitor section. <laughs> So um, we may not actually become members because of that, but uh, we do love it secretly, just to let you know my heart. Uh, we do love the place, but we love the visitor parking. So we're, we're wrestling through that. You can pray, with us, pray for us on that. We're trying to decide. Uh, so yes, uh, just a little quick synopsis of who is this JJ guy. Oops. Uh, as I've been in the city of Austin for probably like 25 years now, moved here for about 11 years, Saw that place uh, grow uh, really big and then um, decided to, to leave there because uh, I love building things. So I moved down south. Well, I didn't move there, but I, I got a job with Pastor Rob Harrell at um, EV Free back in the day, uh, which is now called Austin Oaks. We were called First Evangelical Free Church, which I love that name, uh, but we, we had like five names in the city. People called us the Free Church. We had First EV Free. Uh, and then, so it's like, and then the word evangelical got a little crazy, right? Because it got a little politicized. And I'd rather Jesus be the stumbling block rather than our name. So we changed our name strategically to Austin Oaks Church. And just as of May this year, I've left uh, Austin Oaks Church to be full-time now at Mission Possible, where uh, my heart has just grown for the least of these. Like uh, Mark, my brother Marco was saying, just for the God, expanding heaven but also caring for our city, and, and we, we hope that his glory is known here to people. So uh, this conversation, when Marco and I have coffee or lunch, it's fun. I wish you could be a fly on the wall, because we're like, they're like little mini sermons just flying. It's like, uh, it's like tweets. Everyone's like really good. It's like Proverbs. You know, it's just a really good, and it's just really fun, and so we've, we, um, we joke with each other, and it's just a great relationship that we have. Um, one of the discussions was on worship. Since I've been a worship pastor in the city uh, for 25 years, but even before then in El Paso, I just felt the call of worship 
uh, in my life. And then also, but when I, honestly though, when I was 17, I was like, man, people will pay you to do this? Uh, this is my gig, you know? Um, but li- little did I know that it's, it's, it's a lot more to that, and I've learned, and God has taught me and molded. Let's just answer this right now, because so, we all kind of, I think we know the answer to this, and it's uh, Romans 12.1 defines what worship is for us, right? So let's just dive in. We've got a lot to discuss here. So as we read 12.1, let's read it together. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of your God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. So this, if you want to know what worship is, the big umbrella of worship, this is what worship is, right? It's defined to us by Romans 12.1. However, I want you, just personally right now, to if you were to define worship in one sentence for you, what would that be? You know, take a minute and just, just if, what, what would you write down if you were going to create a sentence? One sentence, worship is what? What would that look like for you? As I've thought through this myself, let me tell you the most simplest definition. Let's look at this simplest definition here, right? Worship is our response to what we value most. You know what's interesting about this definition? God isn't even in it. What's interesting about this definition too is it almost puts this emphasis and this idea that if you were to simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your loyalty, at the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's highest value to you. It could be what you worship. So this definition here could be a good litmus test for you day by day. What is it that I value most? Because as we read, as we read uh, Romans 12.1, it's, it's saying this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever is what matters most. It's the thing that I put first. And it's because worship is the activity of the human soul, right? So uh, I have to tell you that you are a worshiper, uh, and you know this already, but uh, and it's, you don't have to be in a religion to be a worshiper. You all worship something. You're going to. It's the way you're made. How many of you are breathing right now? Uh, okay. Let's see, one, two. I, I, you know what? I won't, I won't count. You have no choice in this. You're, you're going to worship whether you believe in a God or not. It's what you were made to do. So you're going to worship. The thing is, is that what is it that you're going to worship? What is it that's, that's striving for our worship today? If worship is the activity of the human soul, value most. And if you think about it, history has shown no shortage of history, right? Look at this next image here. Uh, this is, you can't see it. Uh, I sent it to Marco, way too small. But um, these are all temples that man have created throughout time. And this is just, this is just a sliver, a sliver of it. The page is huge. Uh, everyone is a temple. And we've seen that history, throughout history, there's never been a shortage of things they worship, ever. And so I, I also remember uh, MTV back when MTV used to show music videos. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? 
Okay. It actually, they used to show music videos. Let me explain. A music video is, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but just trust me, like 24 hours a day, they would just show music video. I digest. Um, I'm sorry. All these little jokes come out. Um, so anyway, I remember at a young age watching, I'm like in high school, so this is prime MTV uh, digestion here. And uh, I remember watching Michael Jackson just you know, did the bad album. And I remember some of the fans out there, and they were like reaching through, just trying to touch. They were crying. I think I have a little picture. I mean, literally like people like screaming through a fence, just trying to touch Michael Jackson, you know? You guys remember that? Remember some of that imagery? It is some of the most powerful worship I've ever seen. The compelling question for me is why? Why do we crave something to worship? Why are we so insatiably drawn to, from idol to idol, desperately in need of more worthy of our worship? How do we even know the value, the beauty of worth that exists. Sometimes, I, can I confess something to you? Sometimes I get on Amazon. I don't even need the thing. I don't even know what I'm looking for. I just get on Amazon. And I'm just like, what is it that is shiny? I find myself on eBay, going on eBay, like what? I have to stop at a garage sale. Those are so tempting to me. I shop at garage sales all the time. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but let me tell you this one story. I want to show this image here. This is the, the Mac Mini. This is the first generation Mac Mini. I got a story for you. Uh, my family needed a Mac Mini. We needed a new Mac in the house. It was getting really bad. Uh, you know, this is like, I'm trying to think when this Mac Mini came out. So a new Mac. We need a new computer for our home. And so uh, we had to do bills and other things. Kids are getting, they need projects done at home. We needed a computer that worked in our home. So I remember uh, us talking about it as a family, and we decided we had to come up for a budget. This is, this is what we can spend. This is what I think we need. And I wanted to make this decision. So, uh, and I, did, I wanted to make it right. So I started investigating which computer should we get. And I got to tell you that I spent about three weeks researching this thing, finding, making sure that it was the right thing. Friends, I have to tell you something. I worshiped the Mac Mini <laughs> for three weeks. It was, it took the most real estate in my mind. It took the most real estate in my heart. And now I just saw it, I looked at moment. What about, what if I did this, what if that? What, by the time of that end three weeks, I was sick. I didn't care anymore. Just get it. And it takes, look, getting things isn't, isn't bad, but when it becomes the loudest thing in your heart and your mind, be careful. Don't worship it. Put your worship in something that you'll get dividends back from, not depreciate. $40 on eBay. And look at things. Be careful of what you're worshiping. 
So let's talk about distractions. So I'm going to take us to Matthew 4, if you've got your Bibles or your phone. Um, I'm going to invite you to open up. This is a really good passage. This is the thrust of our, our message here this morning. This is where we're actually going to talk about worship through the temple. I'm going to actually start us on verse 4 there. Uh, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their, head, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So let's look at this passage here. Let's break this down. The first temptation, right? So um, you guys remember July. And imagine like if, like July 15th this year, when we were hitting that 100 degree weather, you know, like that 100 plus. Remember that? Oh, man. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Bunnell or even just outside for a little bit. You're like, I have got to get out from, I got to get inside from the outside. So uh, it would, but here is Jesus in the wilderness. So imagine if I said, everybody, just grab your chair. We're going to go outside in the parking lot. No shade, just literally, let's go out there and we're going to have service there. I mean, that'd be brutal, you know, uh, especially for my redheaded wife. <laughs> I love you, babe. But, um, so uh, the, the, the first thing is, uh, too, is when I go to HEB, one of the first things I look for is that French bread. You know, when they have that dollar bread, anybody with me? The dollar bread, I could, I could kill that. I can kill that whole loaf. But I'm wondering, Jesus being out there, he was so filled with the Spirit, but there was still the desire. The need was there. God built that need. He's hungry, right? So he sees uh, the tempter come, and the tempter says, if you turn these stones into bread, I wonder even at that moment if it looked like that to him. Even the word bread, that crust, that flaky crust that you could break open and open in the, the smell and the aroma. Am I making some of you hungry right now? Maybe so. But you can see the temptation was real. But friends, you're always going to be hungry. You're going to be hungry again. And it's just satisfying to see something too that sometimes sin is an illegitimate attempt for a legitimate need. Let me repeat that. Sin is an illegitimate attempt for a legitimate need. So even sometimes when I see my friends who struggle with alcohol, right, the, the, the result of it, of no pain, not remembering the faults, um, the freedom and the safety that they feel from being intoxicated. Those things are good. It's just the way you're going about it. 
You understand? It's an illegitimate attempt for a legitimate need. And so it's another litmus test for you to discover what is the legitimate need in your life. You're always going to be hungry again. And, you know, that's why even we keep our eyes on today. We keep our eyes that focused on the moment. God wants us to live with him every moment by moment. That's how close. That's our relationship with him. I discuss with my wife our dinner plans and where we're going to eat almost every day. What are we going to do? You know, and God wants to be, believe it or not, he wants to be involved in that. You can have those discussions. He wants to be that close to you. Isn't that amazing? That's his desire. But um, Jesus replies because he knows that's not the issue. He's going to be hungry again. He's filled with the spirit and the tempter is saying, Give in to a temporary, temporary satisfaction. Jesus says, no man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the second one, let's look at the second one. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you. Psalm 91, which is the most important part. He just takes this little part. He's tempting Jesus, you know, with what? Entitlement. Entitlement. You deserve. You don't deserve this. You're the king. Come down. And you know what? You can make a big skeptical about it. Angels will come and and tend to your descent. And people will see it and see that it's a miraculous thing. You don't deserve to be up here, Jesus. Let's get you down here. How many times have I thought I deserve something? I deserve this thing. I, uh, in that email, is true. I was in a, a band called Sixpence, None the Richer, and I don't know if I've shared this story with you, but I discovered what the name means for a coin, a sixpence, so that the son can buy him a present. But you can see how this, the dad is no better off than he was, right? Because he actually gave the money this is my dad here. If, if I said, Dad, I want to buy you a present. Can you give me 20 bucks? You know, then he goes, okay. And he gives me 20 bucks, but he's, he, he's not really, you know, I mean, what can we give? How can I give that back to God when he gave it to me in the first time? Let's talk about entitlement then. Some of us who are successful or uh, we have a, a certain place in our life, we need to be careful. Uh, because let me tell you why. Uh, this breath that you got right now is a gift from God. This next one is also a gift. My heart is pumping. I'm not in control of that. I have this nervous system, this equilibrium that is allowing me to stand here. I don't know how it works. I have this are somehow grabbing that and forming that into a thought is miraculous. Right? Everything that you have is a gift from God. What is it that you are going to give him that he didn't give you in the first place? What are you going to claim entitlement on that you deserve something that he didn't give you in the first place? This breath, a gift. This next one, a gift. 
That's why God is sixpence, none the richer. You understand? Yeah, convicts me pretty bad. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and on their, um, uh, he will command his angels concerning you. Satan's not getting where, anywhere. He knows, so he's going all in. He's cashing in his chips right here. He's going, all right, fine. I'll take takes him to the very high mountain. I'm trying to think of like that that tower in Dubai. What is it? I can't remember what that's called. But I'm not even going to say it. Um, but, you know, somewhere like that. It sees all the kingdoms of the world, not just for that time period, by the way, for all eternity. Even now, America, everywhere, the whole countries of the world. I'm going all in, Satan goes. I'm going all in. And he's, he goes to Jesus and says, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. You can skip the cross, Jesus. You don't even have to do that. The thing that you know that's coming, you can bypass it. And I'll just give all this to you if you bow down and worship me, the Son of God, and say, will you worship me? How deceived is the deceiver? Do you understand what I'm saying? The gall it takes, how committed he is to the cause. You don't think he's going to go to you? He went to Jesus. He is committed. Second thing, apparently, worship matters to Satan too. In fact, I think it's the number one thing. Listen to this here. Listen. There is a battle for your worship. That's what this is all about. There is a battle for your worship. What are you going to spend it on? So the enemy, what he does is he, he pours all these shiny things around the true pearl who are wealthy compared to the rest of the world. We're most susceptible to it. There is a battle for our worship. Reminded me, I'm, I'm going to age. Man, all I'm doing is showing, telling you how old I am in this whole sermon. But I keep thinking back of that city slickers one thing, you know. It's that one thing. This is it. That there is a battle for your worship. But listen to Isaiah here. He's marking down God's words. To whom will you compare me? This is Isaiah 40, 25. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my eagle, the Lord says. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his worshiping. Um, now, of course, I'm not saying don't go to Amazon or, you know, uh, don't go to a ball game. Don't. I went and I saw Austin FC on, uh, when was it, Wednesday? Yeah, uh, the first hat trick uh, in the league's uh, and I jumped up and was like, go, oh! you know, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. But when things become the loudest in your voice, I mean, in your head, and it takes the most real estate in your heart, you just be careful. Just don't let it that. It's, 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 it's not a good investment in your worship. 
Okay. So now I want to just briefly, uh, when do we stop here? Okay, keep going, he says. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm mindful of it. At least know that. Okay. <laughs> We're not going on here through lunch. We're, everyone calm down. You know. uh, that's what's in my head. I know. Yes, this is how we live our lives, the big umbrella of worship. But now can I speak to what happens from this stage a little bit? Do you understand that I do, I understand that there's a distinct, you know, there's a difference between that and how we live our lives, right? Um, but listen, uh, from this stage, uh, I, I have been an entertainer. I know how to entertain people. Uh, I've been a professional entertainer for a long time. Um, and from this stage, there's two kinds of music that happens. There's uh, praise and worship, and then everything else. Uh, and what, here's what I mean by that. Uh, praise and worship is different here because it's not about the creation. It's about the creator. Amen. So if I were to grab the guitar and sing a song about my daughter Jasmine or something like that, it's a great song. But I'm asking your attention to be on the creation. I'm telling you a story. So your attention, your focus is on the creation of the story of the song I wrote. Here's the biggest difference is I don't, when we are on this stage, I'd rather not tell stories so much. I'd rather you look to Jesus. It's all about him, not the creation. And by the way, that's not, the, the, the cre- if I told that story, you could be ministered to. God could use that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, even us as we deliver sermons, we'll, we'll use a story. One time I went here, and that's part of my sermon, is I'm telling you a story, right? I'm saying stories aren't bad. They help us understand things. Jesus spoke through parables all the time. He would tell stories. But I'm just saying from the stage, as we do worship, as we sing, we can either sing, we either, I can sing about a creation, where like I'm telling you a story about anything, like my daughter Jasmine, or we can sing about the creation. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the difference in worship. Uh, one of the things that I experienced at Austin Oaks Church is one time we went into a blended service. So we had two services. We had a traditional service, and then we had a contemporary service. And I've always felt weird with the word contemporary. One, because it's an adjective, you know? Uh, and so it's like, contemporary what? Uh, but we had these two services. We're going to blend them. And so it created something called worship wars. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Worship Wars is what it was called. Some people like this style of music. Some people preferred this style of music. And some people thought this is holier music than this one. This is less reverent. One, one thought this has life in it. This other style is dead. It doesn't have any value anymore. So I, just quickly, let me tell you where I think we need to be brought in. And it was coming into Jerusalem. I think I have a slide here. And they prepared weeks for it. Leave that up there for a minute. They prepared weeks for this festival. There was food being made. They were preparing. They had bands practicing. It was going to be a huge celebration. It was going to be great because it was the first time the Ark of the Covenant has ever been into Jerusalem. What a great time to celebrate. So they're bringing it in, and they're excited about it. And uh, something happens. The, the cart that's carrying the Ark uh, it starts to trip, and the ark is going to fall. And so this guy, his name is Uzzah, already an unfortunate name. He <laughs> gets there, and he 
he touches the ark. And they're, they're having this huge party, right? And, but he doesn't want to bring shame maybe on his family. And you know what? Everybody spent weeks and all this money to prepare for this. Let me just push it up there and let's just keep going. But no, he gets struck in your worship. It's okay to celebrate. But remember that God is holy. You don't touch the ark in your worship. He's reverent. He's holy. Our knees should knock a little bit. But where are you? Being on the stage and I got to sing, I surrender all. My knees knock. Ecclesiastes says, make no vow unless you're ready to fulfill it. And I'm going to say this out loud in front of everybody. You're going to sing it. So yes, celebrate. Be expressive. Make it, it's fun. But don't touch the ark in your worship. So David retreats and he's bummed out, right? And he's mad at God too to do it the way that that we all know the traditional way like the day of atonement because everybody knows what to do it's very reverent everybody it's the way we've always done it it's the good traditional way we've done this way we've always brought in the ark this way everyone knows what to do everyone everyone will get it so let me show this next slide so he's coming in and they prepare and he brings it in again and he gets overwhelmed with God's spirit, that he takes off his clothes and starts dancing <laughs> in this traditional service. And you can imagine people, look at him, his hands raised. Why is his hands raised right now? Look at how expressive he is. It's not how we do things here. That's not the traditional way we do things. It's not how we do it. On the opposite end of that first statement, don't be so stuck on your traditionalism that you miss the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. He's not a tame lion. He's real. And He's going to move your hearts as you worship Him. He's going to move that. And there's freedom to express Him. You know, I, I need a little... I have a piece of paper here. So let's say um, it's Melissa's and I's anniversary. And so I have a little, it's a tiny card, but um, let's say I'm going to write her a card here and I'm going to tell her how much I, I love her so much. She um, does so much for me. I mean, even I can tear up easily just thinking about it right now. Um, she cares for me so much and, she, and I love her so much. And um, so much. So I'm gonna. It comes time. It's our anniversary. I'm gonna give her this card that I wrote out, and it's and it's. I see her there, and so I'm gonna give it to her. Hey, babe, I got you something. <laughs> now, how did my thoughts and heart desire express the way that I gave her that card? Right? Do you understand? So it's, let me tell you that there's, there's a freedom here. There's a Galatians 5 freedom here where we want you to 
know your creator, to respond to his goodness, to know him in worship, not because God is some insecure deity that needs our affections, but that when we worship him, it changes us and it molds us into the church that he wants us to be with you. God is the center of everything that exists. Above all the little gods of the earth, he alone is the creator, sustainer, the originator, the originator, the life giver, the beauty maker. That's why every glimpse into God's presence through the pages of his word affirms that God dwells in endless praise. You guys, we're in Revelations. Are we done with Revelations? We're still in there. We're still in there. Yeah, we're in there. I love it. Listen, notice the angel host of Revelation say this, never ceasing to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, that's right, Revelations 4, 8, never do they stop, day or night they proclaim, always affirming his infinite worth. You know what, just be still for a minute. You and your creator here. Just listen to his voice here. Lord, forgive us we become so distracted with shiny earthly things. Lord, forgive me when my allegiance can disrupt dear citizens of heaven. Lord, remind us that this world is uh, its not our home. Lord, forgive me too just when the times where I've put my loyalty and allegiance, my money and my time into things that are uh, small little uh, things that I've worshiped. (laughs) Oh gosh. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And the earth has nothing that I desire. And my heart and my flesh, they may fail, but God, You are our portion forever and ever. 